Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. Hi, welcome back for part two of my interview with Graciela Ramon Michel. Graciela is a mother of three, one of whom was diagnosed with severe autism some 36 years ago. From the age of one, her eldest was different from the other children and she tirelessly searched to find out what was wrong and after four years were told he was autistic. During this time, she left her addicted husband and found herself alone with little to no support. Feeling rage, loneliness, exhausted, overwhelmed, confused, disconnected and stressed, she had to support her children emotionally and financially. She worked 15-hour days until one day, after being sexually harassed by her boss, she decided that she couldn't continue living the life she was living and sought help. This is part two of that episode. Graciella, how are you? Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Claire, for having me here. Thank you so much. No, it's fine. It's it's fine. Look, wow, crikey. Um, I've just gone through the intro and everything that you've been through. Tell us, tell us about this. Um, you know, what you've been through with your eldest son and, and what went on, how, what your journey was with him. Because it, I mean, I've only briefly touched on a few things, but like, it sounds like a hell of a roller coaster. I can tell you a little bit from the beginning in reality, because everything has started from the beginning. Wow. So, so when did you, when did you first notice that he wasn't, quite the same as some of the other children actually when he was one year old I I was pregnant by that time with my second son Federico and I say oh he needs some stimulation he needs to do something he's by himself all the time with me so I decided to take him to a kindergarten a kind of play group you know and he wasn't playing with any kids. He was at the corner, sitting, played by himself and nothing. He wasn't interacting. So suddenly, uh, the teacher and a psychologist, they said to me, uh, I think he's not deaf because he can hear us. However, he's not interacting anytime with anyone. And I thought, here is something wrong. So I started to read. By that time, internet, you have to think about, Martin is turning 40 in five weeks. So by that time, internet didn't exist. So yeah. I needed to go to the library to seek some understanding what, what was happening. The doctor didn't say to me, he said, oh, he's growing quite well. We don't know what is happening with him, blah, blah. So I start to seek um, 
to go to library and trying to read and read and read. So there I discovered autism. Yeah. I didn't know. Autism well, no, for me was, didn't exist. Yeah, and also, like you said, there's no internet. Like, we can't Google. Like, when 30, it's 36 years ago. So, like. No, that it, was. That was, yeah, it would have been 39 years ago. Yeah. So, like, 39 years ago, there was no, it was only just being born. Gosh, so, and all the characteristic, characteristic of him was ticking boxes, you mm. know. So mm. I mentioned to the psychology of this place, they have like a big kindergarten and a psychologist there. And she said, you don't have any idea the words you are saying at the moment. Because when I say to her, I think my son is autistic. She thought that I was broken in that. Right. So anyway, by that time, I was having problems with my husband. So I used to go to a psychologist. And my psychologist used to have a colleague who was a, a psychologist for, uh, for children. And I said, I, please, I beg you, I would like her. Can you ask help? I need her to stimulate my son, Martin. And they say, no, he's too little. He's only one year old. No, no, no. I, I paid so much. After like a four or five months begging then, eh, the lady decided to start stimulating Martin. Uh, they didn't know. They say maybe he has emotional shock or something. Uh, they didn't know what he was having. So anyway, to tell the story short, from that time, my journey started with him. I started to go to psychology. I started to go to neurology, psychiatry, everything that I can touch, I was taking him against my husband's will. Wow. He didn't want. He didn't want me to do that. So it was very, very hard for me. So you basically didn't have any support from your husband. And then were you, were you then waiting for your husband to go off to work to then take your child to all of these different appointments and things? And, and were these appointments costing so you any money at the time? Money. I wasn't money. Oh, my gosh. But it was a lot of money because you have to think about mental illness wasn't covered by that time. No way. It was only for rich people, mental illness. <laughs> well, exactly. But no, but really the, the tests and things like that regarding autism now, ADHD, all of those sort of things has improved so much. Like 39 years ago, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of any autism or anything like that or you know there was you know we just didn't have it ADHD didn't really you I didn't know anyone at school who was had ADHD and stuff like that so wow wow and so so what did you do you were just you were just begging people to test him and like were there any tests at the time Uh, by that time one of the most famous person in Argentina said to me he was two years and a half he said, I think he has an emotional block. That's it. 
That was his diagnosis. Nobody was telling me nothing. He was a neurologist, very well known there. Number one in Argentina by that time. So anyway, I continue, I continue. By that time, I, got, uh, I separated from my husband. My situation with him was very hard to live with because he was addicted to morphine. Wow. He so was... Uh, so not only living with a autistic child, and I suppose by then, so an autistic child who wasn't diagnosed, so you didn't really have any solutions or any you know, you didn't know what was wrong as such. I suppose by then you also had son number two and dealing with your addicted okay. husband. It was not. Which is. Yes, sorry to interrupt, Claire. Yeah. But it was not no, no, no. that Martin used to hit his head against the, the wall and my husband sick because of all of the medication he used to put inside his body. So looking after my son, looking after the him, and looking after the poor little one that he was beautiful. Federico was, oh, beautiful. And he used to look at his brother during the night in his coat, how he was hitting himself on the wall on the, on the window. So I didn't used to sleep at all. So I I couldn't sleep. So I oh decided gosh. to separate from him. I took him to court and it was very hard because he didn't want to leave the house either. So anyway, to make a story short, um, my husband, obviously, because he didn't want to get uh, separated, he didn't support me financially. So I needed to work more and more and more. My gosh. I was by myself with two years old, two years and a half in Martin, and only 30 months, Federico. Wow. So thank God I have a father that he was financially okay. So he helped me with the house and to bring some, some food to the table. Because all of the treatment that Martin was having by that time, taking to the occupational therapy, to the psychology, everyone to try to stimulate him was costing me fortune. So it was every penny that I was earning, it was going to his therapist. And you were and you were working as well at the time, were you? So your youngest child who was 13 months. What, where did he go? Did he go with family? or He, he used to go to a kindergarten oh, wow. the corner. And by, when he was two, he used to say to me, Mom, don't worry about me. You go to work and earn a lot of money. And he was so sweet. Shame, what a cute Don't kid. worry. I do remember he was so little, you know. It was so beautiful to see. It's like I can see him saying to me that. And then your eldest son, was he going to kinder as well while you were working? He was going to the kinder. In the meantime, I was working and I used to have a housekeeper as well. Oh, okay. okay. So I used to have someone at home. Wow. And, and were you doing like just the one job or did you have several jobs or what were you, how were you? Uh, by that time, I used to have two, two jobs. Wow. <laughs> Then I will tell you later because I end up having three shops at some time. 
to maintain my life, you know, because it was very expensive, obviously. Every treatment for Martini was expensive. So I started to travel around Argentina to find an answer. And I went, people were coming from Brazil, from France, and I was visiting all of the therapists they were coming from everywhere. Um, when Martin turned four, I went to, to Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina. I wasn't living there. I was living 1,200 kilometers away. So, um, and I went to see a neurology and psychiatrist. So this doctor said to me, your son is autistic. The moment he said, your son is autistic. Even though I knew as a mother instinct, I knew he was. I was in such a shock. Wow. I was suddenly, I was as autistic as Martin. I left the office, his office. And really I started walking, walking with Martin. I do remember what kind of clothes he was wearing. I, I remember like it's today. So this is 36 years ago. I started to walk and walk and walk. We crossed Avenue. We were almost run over by car because I didn't know where I was. I was totally lost. We walk and walk and walk. This beautiful boy next to me by a holding my hand, and the night came, and really, it was, I was in shock. I was by myself, totally in shock, totally lost, angry, saying to myself, why me? Why, why him? Why us? Yeah, I can, yeah. He was such a beautiful, gorgeous boy. And I knew that this was going to be forever, a challenge forever. Because he was getting was worse. He? he wasn't getting better, yeah. you know? Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I can imagine it would have been a shock. I suppose you were living with it for those three odd years until he was four, until he actually got that diagnosis. But you, you just weren't sure in your head until somebody actually said it to you. And then you just went through all of those different emotions. And it's funny you should say that because I've spoken to a couple of parents who have autistic children on the, on the podcast and they are very, their reaction was very similar to yours. Like, why me? What, what have I done wrong? Have I done something wrong? Have I, was it my diet? Was it where I lived? Was it my environment? Um, was it my partner? You know, what, what was the reason that my son or my daughter, um, are, you know, why are they autistic? Is it something I've done? You, by that time, you have to think about that. They used to say that autistic kids come, they, they have autism because the mother is not connected to, with the child the minute they are born. So the kill, my kill was huge huge then they started to investigate a little bit more blah 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 but by that time autistic kids from a totally disconnected man the mom yes and the moment 
I, I received the diagnosis. The diagnosis was the moment I totally disconnected to my, from myself. That is the difference. It was totally the opposite, you know. Exactly. And all the time, all the time up to the diagnosis, all you were doing was fighting for your child. So how you could be disconnected from him, that's just an insane reasoning, yeah. isn't it? So the journey started, the city where I live, it was a small city, it wasn't the capital. So all of the treatment, it wasn't in one place. So I have to take to the psychology, to the occupational therapy, to the music therapy, to everything. And it was a nightmare. So my father by that time built a beautiful house for me to live in with my children. Beautiful, he, he went into debt for me to build that beautiful house. Wow. I live only six months there, but I decided I cannot live here. This is no good for me, it's no good for my child. My family and my friends, they were starting to distance from me because it was so hard to deal with my situation. Martin was very apparatus, full on, and they couldn't, they couldn't see me and neither him suffering the way that he. So the, the people started unconsciously, started to distance from us. So I was feeling more isolated. So I decided to go to Buenos Aires to live. And I rented the beautiful house my father built. And I rented for three quarters of the value of that house. I rented a, an apartment in Buenos Aires to seek help, a treatment for him in one place. So, and that, that means that I needed to find a job to pay for all of the bills as well. So I was covered with the rent of my house. I was covered for the hospital, but I needed to leave. So, and my father wasn't happy with my decision. My family wasn't happy with my decision because they, my father went into death for me and then I decided to leave. So anyway, I found a shop, a fantastic shop, said that everything comes, you know, the universe sent to you. When you are in a dark hole, believe me, when you believe that things are going to happen, happen. I found a fantastic show yeah. that it was only seven blocks from, from my house. So it was fantastic. I was earning good money, but I have to work long hours to earn those good money. Wow, so yes. I used to go nine o'clock to work and come back at seven o'clock home. And I, I used to take one son to uh, kindergarten, the other son to the hospital and, and me to work and from work, they used to give me lunch time to go to pick up my son for kindergarten to take to the, they used to have a kindergarten to look after the employee children. So oh, it was okay. fantastic. So he was from 12 to seven, Federico was from 12 to seven, and Martin was in the hospital. But the hospital uh, finished at 
one or two o'clock. So I have to pick up him, bring home. So to have some occupational therapy at home to look after him until I was coming back. Oh I said gosh. that was costing me fortune. Lots of money and lots of juggling though, because and like two children and like, yeah, no, definitely. Thank God it was all close distant because Buenos Aires is huge. It's a mm. huge, but I was blessed by that. I was blessed by that. So, and even Martin, I do remember he used to uh, stand up in front of the clock at the time it was supposed to me to come back from work. Shame. He was shame. So you were in a big city. So it'd be like going from, I don't know, Melbourne to Sydney, basically. We had no family. And you were, you had the two children. One was a autistic baby or boy or toddler really a toddler now your other son uh did your other son have any autism or anything no, like no. that no so your other son was fine yeah. and and there's you working to pay to live and bring food in as well as pay all the medical bills and things like that as well but that really wasn't like your journey still could, I mean that wasn't like a bed of roses and everything happy because like your eldest son started to get older and what started to happen when he started to get older? Uh, yes, thank you for asking. Uh, um, he was starting to get more aggressive. He's non-verbal, severely. He was considered the second most severe case in Argentina by that time. So he was, oh, full on, hardly able to handle. To the point they used to, Call me every time I work to come to, to pick him up because they couldn't handle him. Wow. So doubly hard for they you. They couldn't have. So I was, so, uh, I was continuously disturbed by the, the institute. He used to go, the hospital he used to go because then he started to change because nobody was coping with him. So I need to change him from one place to the next, to the next. It was a nightmare. Mm. I was living like a zombie, like a ghost, because it was one problem after the other, after the other, after the other. I wasn't smiling. I was totally depleted, angry feeling guilty of everything, totally disconnected to me and totally disconnected. I used to take the kids to the every uh, um, activity, but I was like a zombie. I was living by default. I need to do this, I was doing. I was working as well. By that time also, I was starting to get promoted mm. to earn more money because the cost of living was so hard over there. So it was just relentless. It sounds to me okay. as though it was relentless and there was just no break for you. There was just no like because because did the did the children see their dad at all? No. Did their children no. Because because of his addiction and it things was, like that. So you had the children 24-7. It was in that bad stage that the, his mother and his sister, they knew where I was living, but they, they, they weren't telling him because he was 
kind of danger by that time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there was no break for you. There was no like going. Oh, I'm going to have a couple of hours to myself because the only chance you got to have to yourself was when you were working, I suppose. Because which is very much like um, a lot of single mums. I mean, me included in the fact that um, you know I get time to myself when my son's at school because other than that I have him 24 7 now so yeah yeah apart from play date so son number one your eldest son um he basically um was going to various different places but they couldn't handle him and they were experienced in dealing with autistic children yes but they couldn't handle exactly Exactly. So you were then having to move him to somewhere else that was experienced and they couldn't handle it. I always was constantly looking for someone to handle my pain all the time because nobody was able to handle him. It was very hard. It was very hard. And by that time, also, I was harassed by my boss sexually. Okay. So I thought, this is enough. Yeah, just all of that, that just on top of everything else. It's just like, so how did you deal with that as well? Because, like, you know, you're needing this work, you're needing a job to pay for everything, to put food on the table. You're managing stuff with your eldest son being moved from institute or, you know, yeah, institute to an institute because they couldn't deal with and handle him. And he's also growing, right? So he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because he's not a small man, is he? I mean, he's a man now. He's 40. He, he was so, very tall all the time. He yeah. was taller than they are, uh, the kids his age. Always, always taller. So it was getting very, very, very hard for me. So I started... Even though my money, I used to hardly have any money left. So, and I thought I cannot seek a therapy for myself. All the money goes to Martin, you know, or for us to eat. I decided, no, I'm going to do something for myself. I cannot continue this way. I need support. I am totally alone in this. I was feeling so lonely. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, my goodness. So I thought, what can I do? So the only way I found, I started to trying to find a therapist, and it was very expensive, very expensive. Because now it's, we can afford better today. Believe yeah. me, by that time, it was everything was very expensive. So I thought, okay. What I'm going to do is to eat once a day. And all of the money I save in eating is going to go to my I lost 12 kilos. Oh my God. I was so skinny. I was like a stick because I never was bigger. So I was so skinny that people, they, they thought that I was anorexic. You know, oh I was so skinny dealing with the kids and working full time and eating, hardly eating anything. I was hardly eating anything because all of the food, all of the money of the food was going to the therapist. 
Papilini. After three months, I was promoted. Give me, look, give me a goosebump to think again. <laughs> I was promoted. I made the effort. I thought, I need something for me. I need to look after me. I need to do something because I cannot deal with the kids. I cannot deal with all of what is happening. Anyway, I was promoted. I was able to come back to eat. I was able to pay for my therapy. So I, I was so committed to look after myself. And yeah. I started to think, oh my goodness. Now I understand. Now I understand. When Martin got the diagnosis, the first that should have sought help it was me. No immediately seek help for him. Because all of the treatment that Martin was getting, it was going down the drain. Because his mother wasn't okay. Me, it wasn't, I wasn't okay. So from the minute I started to be supported, to have some help, not to feel so lonely, so angry, with so much resentment, so frustrated, I started to improve. However, Martin's behavior was getting worse and worse and worse. I was able to connect with him because he started to look at my eyes. Believe me, he, from, yeah. until that time, Martin wasn't looking at my eyes. And when I used to talk to him, he was always looking around, but oh, never looking around. And suddenly he discovered me. And he looked at my Because, because you'd gone and got therapy and looked after yourself and sort of you then were... Um, in a place where you could help him as such and you weren't just surviving. Good, put it. Well, very well put it, Claire. I wasn't surviving anymore. I was very connected and I was more in tune with my heart. And I was, and, and I look at him, I do remember we were on the floor and he suddenly did this and look at my eyes. Wow. It was like a, a full connection. Yeah. It was yeah. a beautiful connection. So he he continued with treatment. He was getting more aggressive, getting more aggressive with his, uh, all his uh, uh, kids that they were receiving some treatment as well. Because was he? It was he at home with you still? Like he was still staying yeah. at home with he you, like at night and things like that, and all of those yeah. sort of things. Yeah, and okay. Federico was losing his hair, so one day with it, uh, I decided to take him to the dermatologist to find yeah. out what was happening. That happening that yeah, he, was he was losing, losing his, his hair. hair, and he said to me, Federico was only eight years old, and he said to me, Mom. Can we go to have a coffee after the doctor? Yes, yes, no problem. Let's go to the, we can have for, go for a coffee. And we went, 
we left the doctor and we went half block, I do remember today as well. And we went to have a coffee with him. And he said, what would you like to have, mom? And I say, I want a coffee. Um, can I ask for a Coke and a toast sandwich? Yes, go ahead. He was only eight. So he was like a man ordering to the waiters, can you bring a coffee for my mom and a Coke and a, a toast sandwich for me? It was, he was beautiful. And he started to say to me, mom, I want to know. <laughs> Bring me a lot of emotion. He said, Mom, Martin is going to recover. Yeah. Is he going to get better? And he said, Mom, I need time with you. Because he felt that you were you were using all of your time to try and look after his elder brother. And he he didn't resent that, but he really just wanted time with you. And he was happy for you to look after his elder brother if he was going to get better. But if he was just going to stay as he was or get worse then he wanted some of your time as well. Uh, I say to him, he may be get a little bit better, but never is going to be like you. Yeah. And he said to me, Mom, whatever you think about he, leaving him in some place a little bit longer, the day I come from the school area, so you can be with me. He was organizing all of this. He wasn't coming yes. from me. <laughs> that is what brings me sadness. So he's, because he wasn't coming from me. It was coming from yeah. him. Yeah. In, in fact, it almost seems, when you're, when you're telling me, it almost seems like he'd had to grow up quickly because of your situation and circumstance. Because his brother had autism you know, you were working lots. He basically was like, right, well, I need to become the man of the house as such. I need to take on and help mum because, you know, my brother, you know, we've got my brother and, you know, I love my brother, but, like, we have to look after him because he can't look after himself. Or he thinks about things differently to how I do and therefore we need to just make sure he's safe and, you know, doesn't put himself at harm. Incredible. He was incredible. Wow. So wow. he organized and said, I will can I can have um I can try. I don't promise you. I will I will give it a yeah. try. And he said, and one night maybe we can go out as well together to have dinner together. So Friday was our night together and I planned someone to look after my so I always was trying to find ways, you know, because I was looking after my, my children by myself without any family close by. My family was living 1,200 kilometers away. So, yeah, exactly. And also, I think I don't think people actually understand the challenges of having an autistic child as well, because it, it's like you don't feel like, you can take them like it's not like you can take your child out to a restaurant and no. sit down and have a normal 
a normal meal with them. I mean, talk to me, talk to me about those sort of situations. Like what, what was it like actually having your eldest son and like going shopping or, I mean, could you do that? Impossible. Go shopping, impossible. When we used to go to the go out to the street sometime, he used to get so overwhelmed by the noise of the cars, by oh, yeah. all of that, that he started to pull off my hair or drag me to the floor, you know, or, or beating me, you know, because he couldn't cope with the noise and with everything, with the, all of the people in the city. So it was very stressful. Just like too overwhelming for him and therefore, so would you then, so how would you get through, how would you get through doing normal, and I say normal things, but how would you get through shopping? Because there's no like, there's no click and collect where you are, is there? There's no like. by that time. There was no ordering ordering online and getting it delivered so you didn't have to go shopping. Like you'd still have to go to the shops. You'd still have to do stuff like that. So how did you get how did you get through with all of that? I was lucky because uh, in Argentina you can't have housekeepers. So the housekeeper oh, of course. do that. Yeah. So I was lucky with that. So she used to go to, to do all the shopping because I couldn't go to shopping with him. So I was staying all the time with him. However, me trying to find out things, I started to take Federico to play golf, to start learning to play golf, because I thought, oh, this is a good way where we can be in open line with both of them. So I started to take Federico to to practice golf, then to take both of them to a golf course, to a very far away one that where no, no hardly anybody used to go to that golf course because it was too far, it was new, not many people knew it about this golf course. So I used to take Federico and Martin. Okay. So Federico used to hit, I used to hit my ball, I used to make Martin to sit down, hit, and then continue. And he was a little bit calmer. Yeah. He used to have some meltdown there, but they weren't as often as it. So it was the only way we could enjoy something outdoor because yeah. we couldn't enjoy anything. It was always me looking for places where nobody was around, where I could be with both of them but it was very sad well I, that was it I so I was going to ask you you know like what did you do at weekends and when you weren't working inside like, the house yeah because you most couldn't... of the um, Federico was taken by other mothers oh, okay. they always invite him always always yeah. always he's a still friend with the same friend since he was five years wow. old so he's still and the mother, they were so kind with him, but I was inside the house with Martin all the time. All the time. Until I discovered way to, where to go with him, that it wasn't so much a stimulation and he could cope with this. So, but even though he was getting taller, he was one meter, uh, one ninety. Wow. So he was so tall and, the strength of a King Kong 
it was so hard. Oh, yeah, because, like, at the end of the day, like, he's becoming a teenager. Like, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you, you know, autistic children, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, they start to grow up and they start to become autistic adults. And he is now an autistic adult. So that's a whole different challenge because, well, you know, I, I'm, I've only ever seen you sitting down, but I don't know how tall you are. But, like, <laughs> but like, you know, as a mother, you're then dealing with an adult man who potentially is having a meltdown because of he's, he's you know, over oversensitized by noise or by people or whatever. And like that must have been very difficult and very hard for you to actually deal with. Like, I mean, you know, it's not too bad when they're like three, four, five, six, seven, even maybe. But then when they start to get a lot older and a lot bigger and they're the same height as you and then they're taller than you and they're bigger and they're stronger than you. I mean, how did you deal with that then? It was getting worse and worse. What I haven't uh, told that by the age of 11, he needed to be medicated because nobody was coping uh. with him. Against me, because I don't like medication at all. I never took any Panadol, any, anything. I coped with everything. What The way I coped with myself, it was I learned meditation. Once I sought help, I, I learned how to meditate, how to create a space for myself. The bathroom, it was my sanctuary, my bathroom. I know, I can, yeah. Oh, my goodness, it was the place where I used to cry, the place where I used to breathe. The only place, because Martin was going to my my room everywhere, where he didn't used to go, it was to the bathroom to bother me. So it was the only place. And really... uh, he started to be medicated by 11 years old, but by 14, the medication wasn't helping him either. So everyone was telling me, please, you need to find a place for him. You cannot go, you cannot continue living this way. Did you scare for your, were you scared for your life as such? Yeah. I mean, and were you scared for Frederico as well? Because I mean, like, he never he never was aggressive. He used to bother Federico a lot. <laughs> well, that's just and being Federico a was getting very <laughs> anxious as a stress because he used to turn on the light and turn off and go to his room and laughing about him getting very angry at him. And, and was that one of the reasons that Federico was losing his hair was because he was getting stressed by the situation? Exactly, he because in. he used to steal the, the food from Federico play and Federico used to be, my food is my food. He used to steal food from everyone. Always constantly on the go, always doing this, you know, and always, it was no peace inside the house. It was constantly. So Federico obviously was getting very stressed and I needed to look after Federico. I needed to look after myself. So I started to, to try to find an institute where he could go and stay there. Mm. Believe me, I couldn't find anything. Uh, Out of kill, nothing was good for Martin. Nothing, nothing was good. But got to the point 
that even he wasn't allowed into a plane where I used to go to visit my family, they didn't allow him to get to the plane because they already knew him. So he was, uh, he was going through it. So he, so, so basically they couldn't, you couldn't fly with him because, because um, if he had an episode on the plane, I mean, you know, things like that, that they just wouldn't allow him to be on the plane. No. Wow. Okay. Oh, he always was okay. bothering all the passengers. They knew him. Yeah. And, and also, it's a long story. But that's a challenge for oh. you as well, though, because you're, you know, you're just, I mean, what did you find? And I know this is one, you know, this comes up time and time again with, with parents of autistic children. How did you find other people reacted to your son and the situation that was going on around him? And then how did, how did you feel about uh, Some that? people, I remember a mother say to me, don't bring your son to the park. Wow. All the time, rejected, rejected, rejection. It was constant rejection. Yeah, that's hard. You know, and anyway, uh, and he has an episode. I went to visit my family on by car, and he has a terrible episode on the road. He almost destroyed the car, and I was by myself with Federico. So, and then I have to continue driving. I don't know how I did it, you know. I don't know how I did it. So, I decide, okay, enough is enough. I cannot continue this life. I have to, to ask for someone strong to come to help me, to fly him to the city where my parents live, to help me to bring him back to the city where we were living and just start finding a place wow. where he can stay. And I find it. Yeah. But that was another started journey because I used to, every time I used to go to this, I used to cry. My life turned upside down. Yeah. It was. So was he was he in that institution like full time then? So you and Frederico were at home and from he Monday was, to Friday. Oh, okay. And then you got him back at the weekends as such. Yeah, inside the house. When yeah. I was work, uh, when I wasn't working, he was at home. But yeah, but they, so did they also have him overnight in the week? Yes, and they used to call me to come to to make him to fall asleep because he was disturbing all the people inside. But he wouldn't go to sleep unless you were no. there, as such. No, and uh, yes, I learned how to calm yeah. him down. I learned, I learned so many techniques. I always find in a way I was by that time, I was in therapy already like a 10, no, maybe eight years. I oh was my gosh. in therapies and, and I was very supportive and I learned technique, how to support myself, even when he was having melan, you know, because it was important. Oh, yes. And not to try to change it because also this is very important. What happened as a mother, we want to stop the meltdown. And what we do is they, it becomes worse because when we are trying to, uh, to stop the meltdown, they uh, become more aggressive, more aggressive, more aggressive. And it's a, no ending. 
But once I started to support myself and be there for him, even though he was biting me or pulling off my head, and I was like, a, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He, his mental start Yeah. And this is, I think, what people don't understand. Like people who don't have autistic children don't understand that it's not that you're not parenting and not uh, looking after your child, reprimanding them or whatever. It's because they're having a meltdown and they need to work through whatever they're working through. Um, and I And I know completely what you mean regarding other parents in the fact that they do look they do judge the parent and say um can't you control your child you know can't you teach your child to do and you and you're like well hang on, hang on a minute I've got an autistic child this is not how they work right they work differently they're they're awesome in other aspects but they work differently from your child so I need to parent differently and this is what I think parents and I I uh, well, and like we're talking for your situation, we're talking like 30 odd years ago, really now. But and 30 odd years ago, it I mean, my heart goes out to you because 30 odd years ago, nobody really knew about autism, like I said, and ADHD and things like that. I mean, nowadays we are more aware of it. There are a lot more um children being diagnosed with autism diagnosed with autism. And I suppose we know a lot more about how to deal with those situations and I know myself my son isn't autistic but I know myself that I'm a lot more forgiving and a lot more um I have a lot more empathy for other people whose children aren't necessarily doing what my child would do because that child might be autistic or that child might have ADHD and therefore you know it's about actually not judging that parent and actually going you know, they're doing the best they can. And this might be the best thing that they can do for their child is to let them rip raw because controlling and doing like exactly what you've said is worse because it just escalates the situation. Okay. Escalate the situation, yeah. build up the situation. So what I learned by that time, uh, how much better I was becoming as a person, you know, how much yeah. more compassion, less judgment for others, how much empathy mm. I was having. And I thought, my son is a gift. Yes. He's a gift. And instead of to see me as a victim, I started to see myself as a gift. Yes. That I was Not exactly. blessed. blessed. And I start living more in gratitude. I start to be grateful for the water I can drink, grateful for those five minutes in the bathroom, grateful for looking at it, to have the eyes to be able to see a flower, grateful to have a show, grateful to whatever it was, I was constantly. So once I start, Tapping into gratitude constantly, our life starts to shift. Wow. You know, I was wow. living more in peace. I was more, I was happier. I, yeah. I was calmer with Federico and even with Martin. I wasn't getting so irritable. 
frustrated, you know, I used to yell at them, you know, I wasn't but you were, So you were moving from that frustration and that anger and that why me situation through to thank you, it is me because it's made me appreciate the simple, like, you know, the simple things in life, like water, okay. like a roof over our heads, like, um, you know, food on the table or such, okay. you know, all of those things. Okay. Food on the table, it was a warm water, a warm water, electricity. I was starting to be grateful for things that you take for granted, that we all take for granted, that I did take for granted as well. So really my mind shifted, my heart shifted. It was amazing. I was yeah. calmer. I was, you know, seeing the challenge as an opportunity, you not know, as a problem. So what I did, instead of, I, I wasn't fixing problem. I was fixing my thinking. Yeah. So the problem was fixing by itself. Yeah. Yeah, Because wow. I, I fixed my thinking. I stopped, like I said, I cannot go, I cannot do this. This is enough. But because I started to look after myself, not only physically, emotionally, going to the therapy, creating that space, then I started to go out to leave the house every two or three months for 36 hours. I used to find a way, Martin, to be looked after and Federico. Oh so gosh. I could go for 36 hours exactly yeah. to go to a hotel close by. Wow. Just for me. Just for me to read, to, to be with myself, just to be, to go out for dinner. Sometimes I was having a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes well, I was no, that's how it should be, you know, like as such. If, if that's what you want, that's all good, you know. Yeah, exactly. I have beautiful, those 17 years that I was divorced, I have three beautiful boyfriends, really. They have a lot of patience with me, a lot of patience, but they used to live out outside. They didn't know the nightmare exactly that I was going, I was trying not to get it. one of him, yes, because he knew me since I was two years old. Oh, okay. So, but anyway, my life started to shift, you know, I started to, to start looking after myself. However, all the stress on me, putting Martin into an institute, and all of the stress that I went through for such a long time, 16 years of his life, yeah. has to pay in someone. I was crying, I, I, his, his room was empty, and for me that to know that he wasn't going to come back home to live for every day with me anymore and to accept my, the reality of us. It was very hard. So I got very sick. Wow, did you? And almost passed away. My gosh. And the doctor, they only said to me, it's all related to stress. We cannot find anything wrong with you. 
I was 10 days in intensive care, but my body collapsed of stress. It was the moment that I was starting to relax. Yeah. You know, because I suppose you... because I suppose he was away at night and you were starting to relax and not actually have to deal with the stress of everything every single day that your body then said right time to time to recoup or or not recuperate yeah. it has to explode from all of the stress and reveal again you oh, know no. because that the, and that that is one of the reasons why I am helping parents with the special ed kids. I don't want them to go through. I want what I went through. They don't need it. The, what the first that need help are the parents, not the kids. The, the parents are the one who need support from the beginning of the diagnosis, not to leave the parent. I am amazed that this is still happening today. Yeah. That the parents, they the doctor doesn't say, please, you need some support. You need to seek some help first to find out some clarity how to handle this situation that is going to be challenging for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, so you can be there, present for your child. Not only for that child, for the sibling. Yes, because exactly. the one that they pay a hard price, believe me, Claire, are the siblings. Yeah. Federico pay a very hard price. Well, they have to grow up a lot. They can't be just like a normal child as such because they have to grow up a lot quicker if you're dealing with, you know, an autistic brother or sister. You've got to deal with those situations. And there are some really, really awesome, um, and I'm thinking of one particular TikTok brother and sister who's uh, her, her eldest brother is autistic and and she's the sister and they do tiktoks together and it's just awesome and i can't <laughs> think who they are but um i can't think of their name at the moment but it is awesome and i love i love both of them on i love both of them on tiktok and i think he is awesome he's great um but he's not he's not a, well he may be aggressive and, and violent but um and I don't know because it doesn't come across on the TikToks but like he does think about things in a different way and it does make you it does make you laugh but it also you have to see how the siblings um adapt they have to adapt and they have to adjust it's not like having a normal annoying brother god love my brother but a normal annoying brother who throws things at you or you know like um, just annoys you by switching TV channels um, at yeah. the wrong time, or you know, yeah. it's just it's not like that because they're wired exactly. differently. And the problem here, the sibling doesn't yeah. get the parents. They are not there for them. It's always the other. It's always the one that has more needs. So we are not looking after the needs of the rest of the sibling. So we need to have a balance in ourselves in order to give the best to all of them and to give the best to us, to create, because self-care is not self-indulgence. Self-care is self-preservation. It's what we need to understand as a parent of special need kids. Yeah. We need to look after ourselves first in order to be there for our 
Yeah, no, too right, too if right. If we don't look after ourselves, we cannot be there for them. Remember so, the analogy in the play. Yeah. First, put your air mask first for you. Yes, that's then, right. And then do the children as such. So with everything that you've learned and experienced, right, so you came to Australia, which was very um, oh, yes. bizarre situation, but you, you came to Australia and then, and then like, have you, what, what are you doing now from, what do you, so you, you've come for a real roller coaster of a journey. Like where is your, is, where's your oldest son now? Is he here in Australia with you? Is he over in Argentina? What, what's gone on with him now? I will give you a, a little bit of brief of that. Um, I have to, uh, another time I got again sick, very sick, and the doctor said to me, you need to change your life, you need to do something for you, you need to take a holiday, and I didn't know, holiday for me means with my children, holiday by myself, it didn't see, so I I decided, okay, I'm going to organize something, and I'm going to take a holiday, but also, my job was very stressful, so I took the risk. Like I decided to stop my job. Yeah, I left my job. I decided, okay, I'm going to find a way that Martin is well looked after. By that time, he used to stay Saturday and Sunday because I couldn't. I find that being in hospital, everything else was okay. You know? Yeah. So I could go away. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair enough, though. You're right. And I find a way, Federico, to be looked after. And I decide, okay, I'm going to visit a friend of mine, say, come to Australia. So I went, uh, I came to here to study because I thought I need to do something. I need to do something. And by that time, <laughs> I used to study English. So I thought I need to improve my English, even, even though my English hasn't <laughs> improved so much. Oh, your English is fine. <laughs> your English is fine. So anyway, I came to Australia and if my friend was married and her husband was a very good friend of a guy that I met here. He used to come to their place to visit him then maybe twice a week. And I was there. So he fell in love immediately when he saw me. But <laughs> uh, I thought, he's crazy. He was singing. I say, I am a nightmare. I have a child very severely autistic. Uh, uh, you don't want to get, I am divorced. Uh, I, I am a nightmare. You don't want to get involved with me. So he was quite sad about my response. But 15 days after I left Australia, he followed me. And I was in therapies. Yes, you are listening to me. He followed me to Argentina. And I was in therapy by that time. I'm in therapy. Come on. Give a try. He's here. So he, he followed you all the way to Argentina? Argentina. Well, he's nuts. He's a crazy. He was not. He was not. <laughs> But you know, then he recognized but that's that. what you do. <laughs> he was not. And I, my therapist, come on, give it a try. Come on, enjoy, enjoy the time. You don't have anything to lose. Enjoy. So enjoy. 
16, 16 months later, we were married. <laughs> My gosh, wow. So, and we dreamed that we were living half and half, half in Argentina and half here. And that, because by that time, the economy in Argentina was terrible. So my husband said, don't worry. Once the economy settled down in Argentina, he didn't know by that time the the history of Argentina, I I will go to work there and we will settle down there. However, that never happened. So I lived between two countries. Federico, by that time, was 18 years old and Martin was 19, 10, and 20. And, and Federico stayed in the house where we were living. He was dating by that time as well with someone. He didn't want to come to Australia. And because I was going to live half and half, but then we realized we were in rich. Seven years of living that way, it was impossible to sustain. So I have to sell my house. Federico moved to his uh, girlfriend's house. Uh, but during those years, Martin has been kicked out from every place that he was. So I, I have to go and look after him, be even inside psychiatry because they didn't, in the meantime, we were finding a place where he could go. So I have to look after him inside a psychiatry. They they only used to allow me to go when he was sleeping. So during the day, I have to be with him there, but I couldn't have him at home by myself. It was better to have some people around me. So I lived a nightmare during those seven years. but something beautiful came out of those seven years. Yeah. After 21 years, I got pregnant. <laughs> My third wow. child. Third child. A wow. girl. A so, girl. A girl. After yeah. two boys, a girl. Okay. So anyway, I got pregnant. Camille came to life. However, the poor thing has to live a lot of nightmare hospital with me at the beginning of. Oh, wow, yeah. The hospital, everything with me. He, she wasn't living in the psychiatry when I was. I was having someone looking after her. So and how did my your son has to stay here. And how did you your know? son, your eldest son, react to you being pregnant and having a baby? Because he, he would have been, what, 20? He didn't meet Camille until older. I couldn't present Camille. Oh, okay. It was too hard. Oh, okay. Wow. I did once. She was one year old, and we almost had a car accident. He grabbed my car and threw the key. He turned off the, and when I was driving. And we almost had a, a, an accident in an avenue. I don't know. I have been protected. I don't know. Believing in God believing in whatever you believe. I have in all my life protected. And there are, I feel like I always I have angels in my life. They were someone always there for me. Once I started identifying all of those people that they came to my life and they were helping me, I open up my heart, I yeah. start to be totally me with them and they were supporting me 
babies. Some people yeah. came for one year, other for months, other people came for five years, whatever time. I was uh, appreciating every every people that came to my life. They were and I and I have to agree with you. I I truly believe that people come and go in our lives, but they come into our lives. We we are introduced into their lives and they're introduced into our lives to to support each other. Um, you know, they're a they're a friend that you know, we'll phone you, you know, every week or whatever without fail just to check that you're okay. They're, they're a relationship that you have within your life that you may need to just support you through a certain period of your time. But it then just plays through and comes to an end because you have grown. And it's like when they say, you know, you are in a relationship and you grow apart or whatever because you've helped each other to grow by being in that relationship, but oh. you're not necessarily supposed to be together for life. You're, you're helping each other to move to the next stage of your life. Yes, yes. to move forward. No, no living in the past. I stop living in the past. I stop judging people. I stop judging people that hurt me. I stop, it wasn't serving me any purpose. I start living present today to tomorrow you know doesn't mean I forgot yeah <laughs> I forgive yeah. you know and I wasn't living from yesterday or what I was I was more compassion to me mm. about me making mistake about me not being the perfect mother about me not being the perfect perfect individual I was starting to be more to have more compassion, more love for myself, to accept myself as I was. Yeah. yeah. And this was big for me. So I started smiling. Oh, everyone used to say, I don't know, how do you do? How you deal with all of this? And, and you are always with the biggest smile because I was smiling to life. I, I was seeing challenge as opportunity to continue growing. I was seeing people in my life as a part of my growth as well. I was seeing everything, everything as an opportunity to learn. Yeah. And it's, it's like um, things that happen in your life that you don't want to have happen in your life, right? Like you didn't want an autistic child. You didn't, you know, you didn't want to nearly die and all of these things. But like you said, your your eldest son is a gift to you because he's opened pathways to so many different things. And okay, you didn't really want to get so you were in hospital for 10 days. Nobody does want to be in hospital. Yes. And I was in a very similar, yes. similar situation to you. Like, you know, I had when I left my son's father you know I was discovered I had an irregular heartbeat you know if it if, if I hadn't have got it checked and I hadn't recognized that there was something wrong then who knows I mean you know I was told by the doctors I could have had a stroke I could have had a heart attack I could have dropped dead right so at the end of the day we called it early I had I got something done about it and same with yourself you know you okay you were 10 days in hospital but and the doctors had said to you, you know, crikey, it was touch and go with you, but you're here. 
And um, it's the world sort of giving you a nudge, giving you an elbow and going, oi, stop stressing yourself out. You know, it's sort of it's sort of saying, hey, you know, stop putting all this pressure on you. Stop stressing yourself out. Stop hiding all of your emotions or keeping everything. I, I, I feel that if you bottle all of the stress up and sort of act to the world as though everything is okay, and you don't go and get help, you don't go and seek therapy, you don't um, look after yourself, that stress has got to go somewhere and it absorbs into your body and then explodes. Because and your body exactly. stops you. Thank you. It was all of the year of not looking after myself, all of the year of wearing a mask, like I said, enjoying the best of me when I was suffering, I was in such a pain inside. However, when I went to hospital, I was already accepting myself going through the emotion, but the body, it was in such a stress from previous that once Martin was in a, in a care, I was able to relax yeah. completely. Yeah. And there is yeah, when exactly. 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 I think that's it because your body then goes right. Okay. Um. You, your body then starts to release the stress that you've been holding on to. Um. Yeah. Look. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's an amazing story where you've you know the whole journey that you've come through and and now you've you've got three amazing kids. Um. Although they're mostly adults now. Um, two granddaughters. Oh, and and two granddaughters. What can I say? Uh, exactly, exactly. And um, well, yeah, I suppose you would do because uh, Frederico is now like you, your eldest son is what forty, and Frederico uh, 30, and Martin forty, almost forty, 40 and Frederico that's right, thirty eight. So yeah, I mean, you know, um, yes, exactly. And how old's your daughter now? Then yeah wow wow exactly so so are you now full-time in australia i am full-time pandemic got me here however i go to argentina i used to go every every year for three months 2029 martin wasn't well so i was there five months so it was like a gift another gift i was there for five months I was two months and a half, and then I went another two months and a half. So I went twice during, so it was another gift. Look, then two years, and I am going next weekend, this weekend. Oh, cool. This weekend for three months again, to be with them there. It's going to be hard because this time Camille cannot go with me. Camille has been always missing school, but year 12, she cannot miss a school. So unfortunately, she has to stay here. And that is the harder part. And so but and she's so, very understanding. Yeah. Very yeah. Under, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, so so what do you what do you what do you do with your time here in Australia now? What are you what are you doing now? How it how is everything like worked? Well, I used to work here uh, as a bookkeeper, uh, and really I was from one shop to the other. I remember uh, uh, one boss said to me, when you come back, 
you you have to shop for uh, here for you. They offer, they always were offering me ah oh, so much, but I couldn't continue working as a bookkeeper because I thought I cannot do this to the people. I cannot do. I I have to live for three months, then come back, catching up with everything. It's not fair. I study uh, bookkeeping because I used to do accounting in Argentina. So anyway, two years and a half ago, I decided to become a life coach. I decided to do what I always wanted to do, to help parents with special kids, not to live what I went through, you know, to start, you know, becoming self-aware, to look after themselves, to tap into their emotions, to know their value, to start creating the life. We can create the life, believe me. I am walking, yes. I say, I walk the talk. Yes. Because we can create a beautiful life for ourselves. And who better to tell these people than yourself? <laughs> because you've been through it. You understand have, their challenges. And that is taking risk. Because sometimes we get into, we are in the, I constantly clear I was taking risks in my life to get a better life for me and for all of my kids. It was important for me to be myself and to be the best mother possible. I never are going to be perfect because I am imperfect. You know, well, we, we, we we're human all, at the end of the are, day. That's we are. That's why human. I called the podcast what I called it. Okay, because it's about we're strong. Um, we're single. Well, I'm single. Um, you're not single because you, you were single. But you know exactly. But this is the thing, right? This is how life evolves and moves on. It's like we were single mothers. We are single mothers. So we're strong. We have to be strong. We've got to be strong for our kids to provide. You know all of those things. We're single. Some of us are, some of us aren't now, and we're human. So we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We are human. Well, maybe some of us are aliens, but I wouldn't know about those aliens. <laughs> we don't know about aliens yet in this world, but we we are. We're human at the end of the day. And, you know, um, nobody's perfect. But no, being not being perfect is okay. It's what it's makes okay. this world colourful. So that's what you do now for people then. You're basically there for parents of special needs kids to help counsel, give therapy, give direction and all of those sort of things. To support and guide them, to find themselves, to find their identity because we lose us our identity. I used to call myself, I am the mother of Federico and Martin. But which is your name? Yeah. I am Martina Federico <laughs> Mams. You know, nobody yeah. used to know Graciela is my name. I lost yeah. totally my identity. Well, because your focus was on the kids. Though, and on it? the kids. So it's, my work is to support and guide the parents to find their identity, to have clarity to tap into their needs because we receive so much, like you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Ah, so overwhelming, all of the therapy and NDAs and all of the, those kind of things. The poor parents really, they, they are already stressed about things outside 
and also stress about the kids. So I help them to find clarity about what they want and what they need according to, to design their unique life according to them, not according to the other, because one doesn't fit all. One autistic child is no, one attention deficit disorder uh, child is not the same as the other. All we are, all different human beings. I am different to you. Uh, you are different to me. Your child is different to my children. You know, we all are unique. So we need to create our life according to us, not according to what the people tell us. No, or some to tick box on To tap into our heart. Here, the truth is here. We yeah. know. We need to trust ourselves. Yeah, no, I agree. The power is here. So if somebody wants, so if, if somebody who's listening to this is going through this situation and wants to contact you or connect with you, how do how do they do that? How do they get um how do they get in touch? They contact me by email, Graciela at gracefulcoaching.me. Okay. Then I have Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn account. Yeah. I'll put all and of those in the podcast develop. So yes. yeah. Yeah. And call Graceful Coaching. Graceful Coaching yeah. is the name of my company. They can search that on the Instagram they can and Facebook search and things me there. like that. Okay. Or they can call Deep. me on 0421614356. Okay. Okay. And do you have a website at all? Or is no yet. Do you do more through? Yeah. I no, need to create so, that website. I don't have one either. So don't even, yeah. I know, I know. Okay, all right, brilliant. So if people listening to this want to get in contact with you, just to talk about things that we've talked about on here or they're in a similar situation and they'd like to, um, you know, speak to you and all of that stuff, then um, I'll put all of that in the podcasty blurb and things. Um, and, look, I have one final question for you, although, well, I'm not sure you'd be... I mean, everything that you've done is sort of a superpower in itself. But like I normally ask people, like if you had a superpower, what would it be? Be myself. It's vulnerability. Vulnerability is the superpower. (laughs) It's be me. Be me without excuses. Well, I was going to say. Me as I am. And flow from there. I am not perfect. So this is the power. Once we start showing up as us. No, that's a perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm even, I, when I was asking the question, I was like, well, you're, you know, the things that you've been through, it's like you're superhuman anyway. So I was just like, no. this is sort of a silly question to ask you in a way. But, yeah, look, thank you so much for telling me and the listeners like your journey telling us all about it because um it's like it's an emotional roller coaster to have to go back and and go through everything because it's been such a hard journey for you as such and and you know thank you for sharing it with us because it's your journey and you know you were willing to share it with us and and tell us all about it you're welcome 
It has been a beautiful now going back. If you say to me, would I change anything, Claire? No. I am who I am. Thank to my children. My children are my maestros. They have taught me so much. So really, I wouldn't change anything. It has been challenging. Oh, yes. Have been painful. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, exactly. But, but then you wouldn't be who you are today and be here and have the husband that you've got and your fantastic kids and all of that stuff if you hadn't been through it all. And you know what is the best gift? Is my son gave me a gift. I received it with an open heart. And now I am helping others. I am contributing from that gift. And that, in a way, is coming back to me again. Can you see? Yeah, a big circle. I'm coming back to my son. Give me a goosebump again. You know, coming back to my son. My son gave me the gift. I passed to others. That come back to him in a way because I am doing yeah. something. Yeah. I am doing something to help him. Yeah, no, you are. You are. No, and it's awesome job that you're doing. It really is. And I know because one of my friends is one of the people who comes and sees you. And like, yeah, she's um, she, yeah, she's just you're just such a godsend and a help for her. So it's great. Look, I, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. I'm I'm gonna say thank you and um and we need to um call the interview to an end because I know you've got a meeting to go to I have a meeting to yes. go to Absolutely. um yeah yes. so, and it's okay it's okay um so yeah look thank you so much for coming today thank you for this fabulous no that's time. okay thank you so that's much. all right and thank we you. will speak again no doubt thank you have a beautiful afternoon thank you so much Bye. thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.